Hello and welcome to this very special Christmas episode of the Hope and Coffee podcast with me, Rob Linzel. We are on episode 15 of season 7 and we're going to start today on this very special day with Luke chapter 2 verse 14. Luke chapter 2 verse 14 as taken from the NIV translation. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Very familiar words to every Star Wars fan. Words that tell you that you are about to be transported into an adventure in a faraway place. Which as Christians is where our story starts, in a faraway place. Not only that, but as in Star Wars, our story starts a long time ago. In our case, over 2,000 years ago is where our story begins. Young and old, male and female, black, white or other. A story that is still unfolding, but starts in the small town of Bethlehem. But no, even before that. However, let's pause to look at John chapter 1 verses 1 to 5. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 5 as taken from the NIV translation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's start at the very beginning, the creation of all things, when God spoke life into existence. The beginning of John's Gospel tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if we return to the creation story, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Even in the creation story, we see the Trinity in action. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so we see that our story starts long before the birth of Christ, a story we are all too familiar with, especially on this day, Christmas Day. God was born of flesh, born of a virgin, born in a stable in the town of Bethlehem. Jesus, born in the image of God, who created man in the image of the Trinity. Mind-blowing stuff, and yet just the start. Interestingly enough, John's Gospel is the only one not to mention the birth of Jesus and jumps from mirroring Genesis to talking of John the Baptist before jumping into the ministry of Jesus, starting with the disciples of John going to follow Jesus and Jesus beginning to call the Twelve. The Gospel of John seems to be focused on the ministry 
of Jesus to help people believe in the Messiah. John even says in chapter 20, verse 31, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have his name. But let's return to our story and let's pause to look at Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. That's taken from the NIV translation. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Mark starts his gospel with scripture, and more importantly, the prophet Isaiah. Now Isaiah prophesies that John the Baptist would go before and pave the way for Jesus, or as Isaiah put it, prepare the way for the Lord. Not only does our story start before creation, but is foretold by prophets who speak of the coming of Jesus. It is believed that Isaiah lived and wrote his prophecies 700 years before Jesus. That's at least 700 years insight into what was to come. The more I study God's word, and especially the birth of Christ, the more I'm amazed by how intricately it all weaves together to tell our story. A story of rescue that begins even before creation, before God spoke us into being. This is planning the likes of which none of us can begin to imagine. But then it goes deeper still. My minister said in a recent talk that he'd had a thought and asked us what was first on God's to-do list when planning creation and planning the salvation of mankind. The point he was looking at was that the light of a star can take billions of years to reach us. So in order for the star to appear at the right time and in the right place for the Magi, or as some translations say, wise men, to see and guide them to Jesus. That's billions of years of planning to ensure everything went according to how God wanted it to be. When you put it in perspective, with the pandemic going on around us, I find it hard to plan a week ahead let alone if I had to plan billions of years ahead. It truly is a masterclass in planning, but more than that, meticulous planning. However, let's pause for breath a moment and return to God's word to look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 to 12, as taken from the NIV translation. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I love that when the Magi saw the star, they were overjoyed. But what I love more is that on finding Jesus, they bowed down and worshipped him. 
these important men, high in stature, and the first thing they do is bow and worship. I mean, imagine the scene. A stable that is dirty and drafty, likely with animals crowding the place, animal poop and hay on the floor. And these men bow down. They get down in the dirt to worship Jesus. Which in some ways reflects what Jesus did for us. Came down to a dirty, sinful and broken world and humbled himself in order to fulfil God's rescue plan. And then there are the gifts. They bring gold, frankincense and myrrh. Yet we often dismiss this as part of the story, thinking it holds no significance. However, after my daily devotional this morning, I believe there may be deeper meaning. What if these gifts symbolise other things for us? In the Bible, you will find several references to faith being like gold refined in the fire. So what if gold in this story represents being refined by fire as we walk in faith? And again, in the Bible, you can find reference to our worship being a pleasing aroma to God. Therefore, what if frankincense and myrrh represent our worship to God being a pleasing aroma to him? Now, I'm no scholar, so I'm not saying this is what the gifts given to Jesus symbolise. I'm merely saying it's a possibility, and one I currently believe may be true, as there are always multiple layers to what we read in the Bible. It's definitely food for thought. But let's pause again and return to Scripture to look at Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38 as taken from the NIV translation. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now when reading this, there is a sense of calm to the story being told. It says Mary was greatly troubled. And when told she would carry God's son, her response sounds calm. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? 
You know, since the release of the original Harry Potter film over 20 years ago, I can almost picture Mary's response, much like Harry's, when Hagrid shows up at the abandoned lighthouse. A terrified look on her face, struggling for breath, and therefore gasping a little. And when she speaks, I can imagine a stutter like Harry's in her response. How will this be, Mary says, since I am a virgin? I can't even imagine for a second that there would be a sense of calm if an angel of the Lord appeared, not like is implied in how Luke tells it. Of course, Luke was a doctor, a man of facts, and not really a storyteller. Which is why whenever I read this now, I think of Harry Potter, who was only a few years younger than Mary when he is faced with a half-giant. But instead of a half-giant, the young teenage Mary is faced with an angel. Yet regardless of the scene, regardless of the emotions, it is Mary's response that is inspiring here. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Did she argue? We'll never know for sure. However, I like to believe that whether she argued or not, her response was given with certainty. I am the Lord's servant. A response we should aim to mirror when God calls us. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Still, let's pause to return to God's word and let's look at Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25. That's taken from the NIV translation. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary's home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord has said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So here, in the Gospel of Matthew, we have a brief account of how after the angel appeared to Mary, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph. Bear in mind that Mary has revealed she is pregnant, and Joseph knows it isn't his. He gives serious thought to divorcing her quietly. That in its own right speaks to Joseph's character. Given that if he chose to make a scene about it, then Mary would have likely been stoned to death. It tells me that Joseph was a compassionate man, a God-fearing man. But then an angel appears to Joseph and says to stand by Mary, repeating what was told to Mary, that she conceived of the Holy Spirit, would give birth to a son, and to call him Jesus. 
Again, Joseph was also young. So this is a lot to take on board and to process. Yet he obeyed God and stayed with her. In both cases, Mary and Joseph, this is a reflection of our story, our journey. Not that we're ever likely to be asked to carry the son of God in the womb or remain with a woman who is pregnant, knowing it isn't our child. But the spirit of obedience Mary and Joseph display is the spirit of obedience we are called to in our journey of faith. Yet their obedience goes beyond even this. Because if we read on in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 13 to 15, an angel appears to Joseph again to warn of Herod's plot and tells him, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. And so in the middle of the night, for the angel appeared in a dream, they got up and went on the run to go to Egypt. Now that's obedience. However, let's pause one last time to return to scripture and look at Luke chapter 2 verses 8 to 12. Luke chapter 2 verses 8 to 12 as taken from the NIV translation. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And so as I begin to bring this episode of Hope and Coffee to a close, having jumped around the Christmas story, and having even looked to the very beginning, I return to another familiar part of the story contained within the nativity plays we see each year. Shepherds watching their flocks by night, an angel of the Lord appearing, bringing good news of great joy, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, which is where our opening verse at the start comes in, a heavenly host appearing, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Yet if we read on, we see once again the obedient spirit, as the shepherds say, let's go to Bethlehem, and they hurry on their way. Yes, the Christmas story is about the birth of Jesus, but like I said at the start, it goes back way further, way further than you or I could truly understand. Back to before the creation of the earth, back to the formation of the star to guide the Magi to Jesus. It is a story of hope, of rescue and of obedience to God. It is a story that is a journey, a journey that started a long time ago and continues with you and I. It is the story, the greatest story of all time. It is your story, it is my story, it is everyone's story. So as you celebrate this Christmas, take a moment to pause and reflect on the greatest gift of all, Jesus. For once a year we celebrate, not commercialism, but the birth of our Lord and Saviour, the one who came to the world to save us. Let us pray. Father God, 
as I bring this episode of Hoping Coffee to a close, uh, this Christmas gift that I bring to anyone who listens to it, I want to thank you for the greatest gift of all. I want to thank you for the reason we celebrate at this time of year. I want to thank you for your son. Lord, thank you that you are an incredible God who plans meticulously you planned billions of years in advance so that the star would appear at the right time in the right place. The same God who says, I know the plans I have for you. Lord, you do know the plans you have for me and for everyone who believes in you. So Father God, I pray that at this Christmas time, although we are thinking about the birth of Jesus, our Saviour, that for myself and for my brothers and sisters in Christ, we would reflect on those within the Christmas story, the story of Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the Magi, all of whom had an obedient spirit. May we have that obedient spirit in our lives to say, here I am, Lord, choose me, take me where you will. In Jesus' name, Amen.